The following is a Just Green production brought to you by the Might Be News Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Might Be Brews episode, I don't know, 53, I think we're at now? Sure. 53, 54. <laughs> we're in, in the there. 50s. But we are the podcast where we explore the people, places, and brews of the craft beer world. My name is John. With me, as always, Mr. Steve. How you doing tonight? I've got a very important question. Okay. Toaster or toaster oven? Toaster oven all day. Toaster oven. Toaster oven Aaron, toaster or toaster oven? No question. Toaster oven. <laughs> Brett? I'm running out of space. I've been hitting a toaster pretty hard for years now. All right. I'm a toaster guy. The wife wants a toaster oven. I need somebody to sell me on the toaster oven. Okay. We can talk about it, man. I want to get into that. Yeah, Yeah, reheating pizzas so it doesn't do I have an oven. I start the oven. Okay. Yeah. We can get into that for sure. But (laughs) I've got all kinds of opinions, actually. But um, let's introduce our guests real quick. Um, you guys have seen me been posting online like crazy. Uh, I have fallen in love with this beer maker uh, countertop automated brew system. It's amazing. So um, I'm really lucky that we're going to have the people behind the system, behind Beer Maker on the show with us today. So first off, let's introduce Aaron. Aaron, how you doing today? Doing good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Thank you so much. Aaron, you are the founder. Is that right? One of them, yes. One of them. Okay. And uh, Brett down there. Brett, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Doing great. Thank you again for being on the show and helping coordinate all this. Brett, what is your uh, your title? I don't know if I've seen a title anywhere. Uh, it's, yeah, marketing, sales, shooting all the videos of myself in my kitchen. It's, <laughs> it's that. Nice. Well, yeah, we really appreciate it uh, and everything you guys are doing. Real quick, guys, um, make sure you check out the brand new mbnnetwork.com. It's never been easier to find your new favorite podcast. Also, help us make the show bigger and better than ever before. Become a patron on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash mbnnetwork. Sign up to get bonus episodes and entered into monthly giveaways and extra content. Shout out to our sponsors, Unomia CBD. That's unomiacbd.com. Use promo code NBN, get 20% off free shipping and a free gift. And our newest sponsor, Lenode.com, if you need cloud computing, which Aaron, maybe you will, um, but accelerate, innovate with Linode's simple, affordable, and accessible Linux cloud solutions and services. Go to Lenode.com slash MBN, create an account and get a $100 credit. So thank you guys for letting me get through that. But um, so first off, when we have a new guest on the show, and, and we're getting to know them a little bit. I like to find out what their craft beer background is. So uh, I'll start with you, Aaron. Um, do you remember like what that gateway beer was that really got you into craft beer and then maybe wanted you, got you into home brewing and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, <clears throat> I was 18 um, and just graduated high school and um, I bought a, like a 250 CC scooter in Scotland um, okay. and it was, it was like a 200 bucks, 300 bucks, something. It was a total POS, but, um, I, I just, you know, was, I just scootered all around. The thing went like 60 miles an hour is terrifying. But, <laughs> um, and that was the first place I got to actually drink good beer. Um, well, aside from the fact that I was 18 and then in the States and sure. wasn't legally allowed to drink anything. So I would have access to like, you know, 
red dog or something over at a friend's party. <laughs> right. You know, so I go over to, I go to Europe and, you know, drinking age is lower. And I just discovered this amazing array of beers, like Scottish beers, went to Ireland, tasted Guinness for the first time. Um, and it was, it was that where I realized like, Oh my God, there's, there's a lot here. Um, came back to the States and then, um, yeah, I, I, I was sad with the lack of options at the time. You know, this yeah. was back in living in Georgia in early 2000s. Like we still, ha- it was illegal to sell beer above, I think, 5% in Georgia. At the time. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So it was crazy. So you come back and you're like, cool, we have Bud. Um, and the only way to get good beer is to make it. So, um, you know, I started, I started brewing. And, um, you know, 15 plus years later, um, here we are. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I've just, I've been, I've, I've been a pretty avid home brewer, um, love craft beer, obviously. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a life, a life route that I'm very happy. I found myself on. Yeah. I bet it probably turned you into uh, I mean, it became a career. Yeah. Do yeah. you, do you still have the scooter? <laughs> no, no. It broke down three weeks into my trip, um, and I it was like north of Edinburgh, and like I broke down in the middle of nowhere, had it towed in. Um, it was really sad. I ended up selling <laughs> it for like maybe a hundred pounds. What do they yeah. call it when you're when you're riding a scooter, scootering, scooting, mopeding, mopeding? Um, I don't know, I'm man. Not sure. I would just call it like riding or cruising. I would, be, uh, I would try to fit it in somewhere would, so somebody might think I was on a chopper. I would be so dangerous on the scooter. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, dude. My my old boss, he had a uh, he had a Honda that went like it, it was one gear. You just brought it back, but it would go sixty, and it looked like an R six or an R one coming at you head on, like a nice expensive bike. And then it comes past you. Yeah, and then you know you're sitting on it like this, but. I think that was my bike. It was a yeah. Honda 250. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Brett, what about you? Um, you know, what would you, what's your craft beer background? No, so mine's a little bit different. So I, I'm not going to pretend to be a, a home brewing expert or anything for that matter. You know, I've just, I grew up liking beer. And, you know, when I met Aaron, Aaron's the one who got me into home brewing, honestly. But, you know, I first started getting into craft beer when I, Aaron and I met at Cornell, but I was there a little earlier. And so, you know, locally there was like Saranac. Once I had graduated from maybe call it sophomore mm-hmm. year, crushing cases of Natty Light or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, he moved into like something brown. Then we got Saranac, and then uh, in Ithaca, there's you know it's Ithaca Brewery, yep. and uh, they've got like Flower Power and Cascazilla and all these awesome beers. So I used to go there, fill up growlers, and it was just like a garage on the side of the highway. Um, so it was really cool. And now they have a big old shop. But oh yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then I don't know, been been in California and Colorado most of my life, so have been. You know, some pretty nice beers. Yeah, you know, the Racer Five, my wedding beer. Like it's just all good stuff. Yeah, that's but, awesome. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to hear how people get into it a little bit differently. Um, you know what, as far as what their background is. Um, so so I want to talk quickly about how I came across Beer Maker because me personally, obviously craft beer fan, Mister Steve and I, we used to host bottle shares, and um, you know I, I've like home brewed with people but never really took it on myself because it's like, you see all the equipment, you see the cleaning that goes into it. You see all of these things that it's like, I don't, I don't have the space or the time for this burner. I don't have an eight hour brew day. And 
you know, I've seen some other smaller, quick, you know, extract brewing systems or whatever and, and things that try to expand on it. But when I saw this one and being an all grain and customizable, I mean, I felt like that was just a, a game changer to, to be able to brew these small batch systems and to be able to do it this way. Um, and then as I got into it and started actually brewing beers, I'm like, man, this thing is really incredible. Um, so I really want to get down to like how the, like what's going on inside that machine and, and kind of break down the different parts and systems to it. But um, to start, Aaron, if I understand it correctly, a little bit of research that I did, did, did beer maker come out of um, the brew jacket? Was that kind of like your first, you know, do I call it an invention, you know? And, um, and then it kind of turned into eventually the beer maker. Yeah. Um, so brew jacket originally spawned in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, I, I just graduated from college. I was working my first job brewing a lot of beer and I couldn't brew for about six months out of the year because Atlanta is so hot. Um, <clears throat> so I, I had a teeny little window AC unit that was, that could maybe keep my house to about 80 degrees. Um, so most beer styles, I, I couldn't, I couldn't brew. So I began working on like how, how to control for that. Um, you know, how do I get in a, you know, 500 square foot apartment in an incredibly hot environment? Like how do, how do I continue to make beer? And, um, began messing around with solid state heat exchange technology and, um, you know, kind of ran into a, a wall pretty quickly. You know, I'm, my background is in economics. I love beer. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I was just kind of messing with it and I got something that, that somewhat worked and I ended up tabling it, um, for a little bit. And as you know, I kept brewing beer using iterations of this, but it really wasn't until I got up to, um, grad school and, um, met, um, you know, my other co-founders, you know, Brett included, uh, we were there for our, our grad, you know, grad degrees. Um, I met Matt Goff and Evgeny Tachenko. Both of them were, they're, they're incredible engineers. They were in the biomedical engineering department. Matt was getting his PhD and, um, you know, we met in an entrepreneurship class and I had this thing and I was like, yeah, this helped me make better beer. And he's like, he looks at it and he's like, wow, that's, I mean, it's something, but yeah, we can definitely do better. Um, and then it was really at that point that, you know, when Matt and Afghani came in where we actually were able to create a product um, that uh, is the brew jacket, it ended up becoming the brew jacket immersion after a couple of Kickstarter campaigns. Um, we built this thing that allows um, space constrained home brewers to create lager style beers without refrigeration. Um, so that was the big deal, right? You can lager in your closet without buying a fridge. Um, and then Immersion kind of evolved into the Immersion Pro. We added additional features to it. It allows you to heat. So now it really becomes this incredibly versatile um, unit. And started seeing like really big pickup on this thing, you know, big yeast laboratories across the United States. Um, yeah, not just brewery. brewers, just being exactly. used industrially and things like that. Exactly. You know, we, a bunch of breweries in Colorado have picked up fleets of our, of, of it. Like, you know, we've had um, universities like across the world buy, you know, dozens of them for their, you know, for their brewing labs and brewing programs. So it, we really began to realize like, damn, this thing is, this thing is solving some serious problems. For yeah. People. Um, 
And, you know, in the core of that is this, this heat exchange technology that, that maintains an incredibly precise temperature mm -hmm. for um, fermentation. And, you know, solid state thermoelectrics is not a good technology to use for mass refrigeration. It's just not efficient. It's not great at that. But what it's really good at is making a very small volume of liquid exactly one temperature. Um, you know, and it can be within like a couple tenths of a degree. Um, so it's honestly, it's, it's perfect for low volume fermentation. And um, so seeing how widely adapted this thing was in the industry, um, we knew that there was a big space for people um, who haven't yet made beer. Um, one of the big reasons people don't make beer is because it's incredibly complicated yep. and fermentation control is a huge, is a huge piece of that. So we thought like, all right, so if we can take this cork technology that we've developed with the brew jacket immersion, could we make a more, let's call it general beer lover friendly version and try to bridge that gap, um, try to bring more beer lovers into the brewing space. Because that's it's there. There's so many of these hangups that people have when it comes to making beer, and you know complexity, risk, um, all of the amount of equipment. So you know those are different things, but it's really the complexity piece that the the brewjack immersion is solving. And you know you can have exactly the right temperature for your yeast. And then um, we just began building out the other systems that ultimately became beer maker. Um, but yeah, the, really the heart of it was that uh, brew jacket immersion. Yeah. The, the, that's one of those things that I was always like, I guess in, immediately impressed by because I have a little bit of HVAC background and I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is like a little mini heat pump. There's gotta be something going on in here. And I don't know if it's, if it's like some kind of refrigeration or if you've got, you know, I don't know how that thing works. If it's like 410 or any type of like, you know, something yeah. like that going on. But, um, you know, and, and then one of the other things I noticed right away about just the design of it was that cutout in the back, you know, for the airflow. You know, you know how important that is. Because I'm thinking to myself, like, this king can't be right up against the wall. And then when you get it out of the box and look at it, you're like, oh, you know, that problem solved right off the bat. But um, it makes me wonder how many versions you know, <laughs> have you been through, um, where you're like, okay, I think we solved this. And then, and then you, you know, you use it and brew a couple beers and you're like, Nope, that's got to change. Just ask how, ask our Kickstarter backers, how long it took us. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, what, what year is it now? Yeah. Yeah, we, we've been at this for a while. There, I mean, hundreds of iterations, hundreds, um, you know, and, in in it's not just of you know the heat exchange system. I mean, we spent a lot of time adapting it, um, but you know the the various you know footprints, um, plastic encasings, the um, the way the squeeze bar comes in and moves your fluid level up and down, like thousands upon thousands of yeah. iterations. Well, let's talk about it a little bit because you know yeah. I, I, if we start at the top and the brew tub and the brew basket. Um, <laughs> So, you know, what goes into, into that like design as far as, um, you know, th there's, I mean, I don't know, there's so many things we can talk about, but as far as just that basket itself, I mean, is, is it, is it pitched in a certain way? You know, the, the, um, the little cutout in the back, what, what is the little barb in the back? Is that a sensor? Yeah. Yeah. So the barb is a CO2 inlet. 
So that okay. collects all of the CO2 that the yeast are producing and it routes it through a pressure system. And so we know exactly what the pressure is inside the system and we it, you can see it increase. It's tracked on our server. When it gets a certain pressure, there's a solenoid valve that releases. And I we're hear that able- noise. Yeah, yeah, the look. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, so it will release every you know, at the beginning of fermentation, going through the lag phase, it'll maybe go from, um, you know, at once every 30 minutes to an hour, and then it will slowly get closer to once a minute, and then it'll be once every 10 seconds. And you can see that, you can hear that CO2 just really moving out of there. Yep. Um, and um, that that is really neat. So we actually track the intensity of that CO2 release and that plays a critical role in how the essentially the brew jacket immersion side of it um, will then adjust your temperature based on the yeast profile that you've chosen so if you're using let's call it um, you know a chico strain you'll be able to set the primary fermentation to 67 degrees and then so as it's in you know as it sees the 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 amount of co2 releases increase it will take it uh, from your lag phase up to your primary fermentation temperature. And then as it sees those uh, checks decrease, it will then move it up to another temperature, up to your rest temperature. And you have complete control over all that stuff. Um, so to come back to your original question, yep, yeah, the barb connects into the CO2. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you come up with the, how long did it take to come up with a beer bag that like the bag was the way to go? And the bag we actually came out with, or we came we came upon very early in the process, um, because it solved a core problem with beer make or with beer brewing in general. Um, the 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 concept was, or at least the problem that we were solving was, um, traditional brewing. You know, you're boiling in a kettle, you're then transferring to a fermenter. You mm-hmm. have to sanitize that fermenter. You have to make sure it's perfectly clean. You yep. make to make sure there aren't scratches on the interior surface where bacteria can get harder. And then you have to put that through fermentation. You have to temperature control it somehow, some way. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got to clarify it, right? So you can do a cold crash. You can do um, you know things like Brewer's Clarex. You can do other sorts of additives to it. Um, you can also transfer that off into a secondary fermenter, which you're going to have to sanitize all your tubing, um, sanitize that next fermenter, let that settle out. And then you're going to have to do the whole process again when you're, when you're packaging. So the core, um, one of the core values we wanted to have as a product is never having to transfer the beer, never letting that, that, that super valuable, highly sensitive fermented product touch oxygen or bacteria. Right. So as a beginning brewer, even a seasoned one, I mean, it's annoying. You know, you have to go through all these, you know, problems. Like you have to purge out all of your containers with CO2. You've got a bunch of cleaning and sanitizing. So we're trying to eliminate that headache and make it really easy for brand new brewers to get into it, make an incredible beer the very first time they brew. So having it be a singular vessel made all of the sense to us. And we really liked the, the, the bag idea um, because the bags are, you know, they're inexpensive to create um, and we can change the volume of the bag. Whereas you can't change a volume of a solid container. So 
And why that's so important is pumps are expensive. They're a pain and a hassle to clean and they mm -hmm. can break. So when we're creating a product, we want it to be as simple and as easy to use as possible. So pulling pumps out of that design engineering allows us to do that. And putting a bag in, it seems it seems really simple, right? You, you, you use a bag and then we have a little squeeze bar. You put the squeeze bar in and now all the liquid is up top in the brewing chamber. You pull that squeeze bar out and the liquid falls back down into the bag for fermentation. So it's, it was, um, you know, it, it, after we began experimenting with the concept, it became clear that that was the way to go. Sure. It's funny. A lot of the talk has come around to temperature because in my limited homebrew experience, we did the, uh, the whole guys on our cul-de-sac all went on, on the equipment. Mm -hmm. We had the turkey burner, the big uh, pot. Yeah. And the first brew we did wasn't bad. It was okay. It was acceptable. The second one we did was an imperial brown ale, <laughs> and it was wretched. Yeah. <laughs> and for us to go through that two-and-a-half-hour process yep. to come out with five gallons of beer that wasn't good was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, I And believe it. we kind of figured out that it was temperature because the guy had stored the carboy up in his uh, kid's bathroom closet. <laughs> right. And it was probably fermenting at like 85 degrees. It was the middle of summer. Mm -hmm. And that's what gave us all these off flavors. And hearing you talk about the beer jacket, that it's just like, man, that's what we needed. Yep. Because that's a, a, a such overlooked process. Sure. Like why, why would you think, oh, it's I, I'm seeing bubbles. It's fermenting. That temperature level can, can really screw some stuff up for you. Huge. It's absolutely huge. You know, the the happy happy yeast come from you know happy yeast make really good beer and if you keep them happy they're going to be making really great beer for you sorry i just saw this one is the one barrel version yeah. coming to the market hopefully very soon yeah, yeah we just need to sell a bunch of these first yeah, you were talking about i mean you were talking about different size bags do you foresee yeah. that the and i guess i never really put much thought into it but is there enough room in the current system to use a different size bag it's tough because we're really tied to the beer tap and, you know, changing mm. the size of the bag would mean different size beer tap. My beer tap's right here next to me. Um, I did an IPA that I just tapped uh, two days ago. That's what we were, that's uh, what we were sipping that's on. That's what we're sipping on here. Yeah, I'm doing the, uh, the citrus smash. Yeah. Nice. So this one's the Redwood and I brewed, Redwood was the first one that I did. And um, I just, I had, uh, a lot of like sediment in the first couple pours. Right. And, yep. um, and, and it, and it kind of turned me off at first. And, but then after that, it, when it cleared up, started coming out of the, the beer tap, nice and clear, I just loved that beer. And I, I was trying to think of ways and seeing ideas of what people were doing online. And, mm -hmm. and I'll just tell you guys what I did to, to try to, um, add a little of my own flair to it. But, uh, I put, um, I don't know. I want to say maybe like six tablespoons of honey, in with the water that went in before the grain, right? And I, I literally have no homebrew experience, so I'm just thinking to myself, like, maybe some extra sugar going into that initial water is going to maybe help the ABV a little bit or, you know, maybe maybe change the mouthfeel um, a little bit maybe. We'll see. And, uh, and then I just added in, I think, an extra pack of, um, of flaked oats and a... Um, and then I, I think I exchanged some of the hops and added in mosaic because nice. I like mosaic. So I did some mosaic steam hop 
and then yeah. some uh, mosaic dry hop. Exchange. I mean, that's that's literally how easy. <laughs> that's like how easy it is. Like I, yeah. I, I came into this not brewing, and I'll and I'll be up in my kitchen doing a photo shoot, and so I'll have a you know a bunch of grains sitting around, and what I'll just do is I'll dump them in the beer maker. I'll kind of say like, okay, this much ish, two row, bunch of these hops, save some for dry hop later, and like at the very least, I'm getting beer out of the other end. Is it a perfect beer? I don't know. Like, is it is it exactly what I wanted? But the fact that I can just throw these ingredients in and get beer out the other end, I personally just find still, I still am kind of blown away that that works. Yeah, that that's kind of my thing is like when the first beer came out and I'm like, this is really good and I can make it better. You know what I mean? And I can, I, I don't know. There's so much that I didn't even put into it or thought that I didn't put into it. Like I used RO water on the first one and I could have changed that out for something, you know, that actually, um, some, some spring water or something like that, you know, that, that could have changed things or, or worked on a water profile and, and then yeah. just kind of like adapt it to, to find like, that's what I'm really starting to find out is, is maybe there's yeast strains that I like more and there's certain hops that I like more. And if I add this into the beer, it, you know, it'll give it that something else that I'm looking for. So I'm able to easily, um, you know, experiment and explore and find what I like and, turn around another beer in 10 days. Right. I mean, and that's, I mean, as someone who didn't brew a lot, but just like beer, like I, I never really tried to think about those specific ingredients that might be making each beer, one beer or the other. And so like I'm brewing smash series right now. I have two machines in my basement. I'm going head to head, smash citra, centennial cascade. And yep. I can kind of dive into those ingredients. I'm like, what is, what is this hot bringing to the table? So next time, you know, I go to the beer store and make another beer. I can really decide on what what I really like best and start crafting my uh, my recipe for that. I have to bring up Randall's comment. <laughs> people <laughs> future with People just throw in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's really cool, man. The, the stout that I have, we're gonna crack the. Or we'll, we'll pour some stout here in a minute. Um, you know, the I, I put maple syrup in with the water too, just trying to add that that extra sugar in uh, pre fermentation and. Um, yeah you know, having fun with it, but, um, yeah, I don't know what, t tell us about steam hops because yeah. did, yeah. is that something that if I understand correctly, did you guys help develop that? Is that your yeah, product? Yeah, we, we did. We were, um, you know, we, we, we had a lot of help, um, obviously with it, but the, but the challenge with, with steam hops is, um, or at least with beer maker is one of the, one of the, core pieces right is these in terms of complexity engineering complexity user experience complexity is how do you manage all of these hops that are getting into your beer um if you look at all these other uh all these other uh countertop brewers are really two or three um uh they all have at maximum four hop additions and those hop additions, they're, they're these mechanical pieces, you know, they're either silos where you put your hops in or um, honestly, they're just silos and you have to, um, you know, manage them, program in how you're going to be using those particular hop additions. Um, so if you're doing a DIY brew, it's going to be very complicated to produce it. Um, it's not one of these things where you can just throw it in in the morning and then um, go to work, um, you know, you, you actually have to spend a lot of time setting up with these sure. other systems. So again, to reduce the complexity and also to eliminate the boil, which is again, another engineering complexity. 
um, we we opted to go the steam hop route in this and where um, we produce in the machine it produces pasteurized wort that is um, you know it's 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 perfect wort and when you get it out the back end you ferment that but and then putting the steam hops in with the yeast allows you to get the same hop profile both from an oil and from a bitterness perspective as you would had those hops gone through a, a boil in your wort so that was that was huge for us um because our our goal is to create a system that obviously anybody can use so um, by putting these additional machine complexities um, in the into it, it would have increased the machine cost exponentially um, and shut off a lot of people who could potentially participate. And it would also make the process a lot more complicated. And um, so all of those things, you know, when we were evaluating this, we're like, you know, I, I, we, we think we can make this work without going the boil if we are... Um, you know, using this steam hop product. So um, it was, yeah, it, it took a lot of, it took a lot of, um, you know, essentially testing on our side to make sure things were working. But, you know, once we figured it out, we're like, holy crap, this thing is, this thing is it, it works. It's, yeah, I think with traditional homebrewers, one of the first things that I get from them when I'm describing how the system works is they can't wrap their head around a 24-hour mashing. Yep. So um, that, that's kind of what I was what I was getting at is like, you know, if, if somebody says, I don't understand how you could be achieving the same effect over 24 hours instead of doing the traditional one hour boil or whatever it might be, um, you know, what would you say to somebody that has that question? I would say they should try it. Um, and mostly- Aaron, Aaron just needs a 45 minute conversation with every skeptic <laughs> and we're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully right. that this serves that purpose. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so the, I mean, it's an it's a great question. It's one that we had, you know, yeah. initially. Um, and you know, you get a, you get a lot of things by skipping the boil. You know, first you get higher efficiency. You know, we're able to consistently crank out eighty percent um, sugar conversion, which is huge. You know, yeah. for a home brewing system, you're usually stuck somewhere in the low seventies upper sixties, you know, and like I had a, I had a great rim system that I built, that I built, um, and like uh, consistently like mid sixties for efficiency in it. And then my water would be all over the place. Um, obviously I didn't do a good job building it, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. Um, this longer, you know, this longer mash achieves a lot of things. So we are able to hit all of the, um, all of the enzyme steps along the way. So we can do um, protein rests. Um, we can do, um, we do the sacrification rest. We get up to this, um, you know, essentially this, this pasteurization temperature where we, we lock everything out of the beer, kill everything. And, you know, it's sealed. Um, and then it falls down in, in temperature and gets ready for pitch. Um, the interesting thing about this is, you know, we're, we're beneath the point of you know the temperature where you you get astringency so you really don't get astringency with this thing because right. we're not getting up to 170 180 190 we're keeping it at about 165 as the max likewise um dimethyl sulfide's not an issue either because we're keeping it at 165 you know smm or so s-methyl methionine is a dimethyl sulfide precursor and all grain all vegetal matter has it 
it begins to convert into dimethyl sulfide when you get up to those boil temperatures. So we're keeping the temperature below that, that um, SMM to DMS conversion temperature. So at the half-life of SMM at the maximum temperature we have in the machine is around 1,000 hours. So by not even getting into the DMS conversion zone, we're able to just eliminate that entirely as an issue in the machine. Um, and and actually, like it doesn't really need to take 24 hours. We we can we've been talking through a bunch of shortcuts of how to speed it up. Sure. But the other thing that we're working with is like, say you start a brew in the morning before work, you're pitching yeast tomorrow before work. Before you go to work, yeah. And so like so so there's there's two things. There's one is like how fast does it actually need to go, or how long does it actually take? And then the next one is, do we also want to give people the option to speed it up? Because because there's something nice about just like. I started at four in the afternoon. Next day, four in the afternoon, I do it, and yeah. and we're moving on. Let's talk about your um your kits for a little bit, just because I don't know if we did a very good job of telling people really what's going on that don't know what this is. Sure. So <laughs> we we kind of dumped right, we kind of jumped right into the deep end Beer. there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'll ask this question, and I don't want to make it sound offensive. If it's offensive, tell me, and I won't <laughs> ask it. But I can't ask it because I already asked it huh try huh? <laughs> let's just dive right in. Uh, the the thing i hear the most is it's like a keurig for beer yeah are we good it's with that easy. is that it's, a good description honestly, for you guys uh sure because because it yeah i mean aaron aaron this is where aaron and i go back and forth because aaron is the true beer nerd as you can tell i am less of that and so we go back and forth on this but the keurig of beer what does that mean it makes good coffee and it does it easily Easily is, is the key yeah, right? to me. So so for us, what we wanted to do is beer maker is both idiot proof. It can be the Keurig of beer. You can just plug in a kit, don't use your brain, delicious beer comes out the other end, or you can customize everything. You could add honey, you could add maple syrup, you can adjust your fermentation times. Like it this has more controls than most basement systems have anyway. More more monitoring, more everything. So like it, it is we 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 want it to be the Keurig of beer to the people who want the Keurig of beer, but then also be this phenomenally high-powered tool for homebrewers to to make pilot batches, to do risk-free experimentation, to make some crazy stuff that they don't want to throw away five gallons of disgusting beer. Um, they they want to they want to go for it. So that yeah, sure. To half of the population, we would love to be the Keurig of beer. <laughs> I immediately and maybe. This could be offensive also, but I immediately put you guys in the category of like pellet grills and pellet smokers. If you guys are familiar with those, because there's a lot of traditional, really purists that when it comes to, you know, smoking meats and doing brisket and, and oh, pork yeah. butts and things that, you know, the stick burner is the way to go. Or, you know, you got your charcoal, um, you know, Weber going and, and smoking check on that thing. Devin but, you, you, yeah, exactly. You check out the comments. We're going to war with those guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So for, yeah, this, this offends people, man. It's, yeah, it's, but for me, it's yeah, yeah, but exactly. But for me and, and the reason they're so popular is like, I really like the idea that I can fill a hopper with wood pellets and set a temperature of 225 and make fantastic brisket without the constant, you know, holding the hand of the you know the machine and the wood and and getting dirty and all that stuff is all thrown out the window and you're making an incredibly precise product and a well-done product with z very limited effort 
and, 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 I, and I feel like that's in the same vein almost where, of course, there's going to be the traditionalist or the purist that'll say, oh, I, I could never do it that way. I want to, you know, get the paddle out and, um, you know, do the old school yeah. thing. But at the same time, you know, this is for sure um, just, so, just the most efficient way to do it. I yeah, was... we've, gotten, we've gotten people saying you're taking the craft out of craft brewing. And I would, I would go so far as to say, no, we're taking the labor out of craft brewing. Yeah. Like you still are crafting your beer. You have total control over, over what that end product is. And I think that's where the delineation becomes. I mean, like the Traeger and the smokers, right? Yeah. You, you, you get more control over it and you can produce a better product because of those degrees of control that you have. Yeah. And, and I guess the only real argument for the Keurig thing is, is, the true Keurig of beer would be extract and it would come right out the other end and you'd be drinking bubbly yellow water that has booze in it and kind of tastes like beer. And, and those people have tried it and it's not, it's not good. Thanks. Thanks, John. <laughs> John goes to battle in the comments sometimes too for us. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's obviously there are some people we're never going to win over and that's cool. Um, but I, I think if they knew where we were coming from, you know, and where Aaron comes from, like this is comes from a place of like true love for craft beer and craft brewing and home brewing. And we're not trying to, we're not trying to ruin it. If anything, we're trying to bring more freedom as a brewer, more people into brewing, more flavors into brewing. Like if anything, we think this could push beer in, a, in an exciting direction. It's amazing. You know, we had, we were at the GABF a couple of years ago and we've been, um, you know, one guy came up to me and was like, He's like, so tell me how this thing works. And I, you know, went through the pitch with him and he's, <laughs> he, he was just, he was floored. He's like, I have this $5,000 brew set up in my basement, all stainless fermenters, pumps, temperature control, glycol chillers. I haven't used it in a year. I want to brew, but my life is so busy. I just can't do it. Yeah. And he was immediately sold and he bought one. And he's like, I, I, like I want to, I just want to keep brewing. And when I get, when I find a recipe on here and when I tweak enough, I'm going to move it over to my big system. When I, when I finally find that I have, you know, an afternoon to do this. And it's like, you know, we're, we can be lots of different things, to lots of different people. And um, what I've really, you know, settled on is that we're, we're just a, a great tool um, to have in your brewing arsenal or, the very first tool to have for your very first set of brewing products in your arsenal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy that um, just, you know, you think about the Mr. Beer kits, if I think that's what they're called. And, you know, it just, you get the, the one extract, the one recipe, it is what it is. And, you know, I guess you could, you could mess with hops and things like that, but um, you know, that that's what I think is just so nice is being able to really, dig into a true what a true craft brewer wants to do and experiment and that's one of the things i love about the smash series is like, like brett was saying being able to just really i'm kind of upset because i placed an order for like three kits and a bunch of extra like you know um grain and hops and stuff so i could customize things and then the next day you came out with the smash series and i'm like of course i just placed a whatever order and and you know i'm gonna have to try to get through that first but um Let's talk about the maker kits because what I want people to understand with these beer maker kits is there's there's a lot of options and what you guys do to make it stupid easy is with these maker kits. 
so there's a bunch of different styles of beer and all of the ingredients are completely pre-portioned. And that's my favorite. I don't even have a kitchen scale. I'm going to, I'm going to end up getting one soon, but like, you know, I don't have to think about anything as long as I just bring one bag out to the table and, and it's just the ingredients for that beer and you open the bag, dump it, you know what I mean? And do your thing. Um, so there's, there's the maker kits that you can use to brew these fantastic, um, you know, thought out, uh, pre-made recipes, but then you can customize those. Or I've seen a lot of people go to their homebrew store or order online and get a five gallon batch or something to make a five gallon kit and split it up, you know, maybe into, into four batches to translate it into a beer maker kit. So there's a lot of different options when it comes to actually, um, the ingredients that you're using and sourcing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we never wanted to lock anyone into using our ingredients. Our our goal behind this whole thing is we want to give you the freedom to do whatever you want. And then as far as pricing and packaging and simplicity of ingredients, we just want to do it as, as, as well as we can to make you buy it from us. Because like you said, just ripping open a bag and dumping in the hops, pre-making a recipe before it even shows up to your house. Like that makes it super easy. You don't have to break out the kitchen scale. You're not, you know, doing all these measurements. You just, you can, you can order pre-portioned ingredients on our website and just dump them in and you're making beer. You know, I really like the other part of this. I'll say one of the first things I noticed about the design is there was no touchscreen or display. And, and that stood out to me for some reason, because even a Keurig, even your, your oven or whatever is showing you what's going on. And I'm like, man, you don't need that stuff today anymore. Like everything's on your phone. You do not need, and you probably saved a boatload of money, not having a touchscreen or something on, you know, a display on the front of the screen. We did put a button on it though. Yeah, there is a button. (laughs) (laughs) So the the thing similar to the pellet grills and things like that, you know, it's on Wi-Fi. You're connected to it with the app. The instructions are great. The, The only thing that is, is not really a problem. It's probably you guys do it right, but it annoys me when I'm recording videos of doing it is every time that I start the next step, the video auto plays. So like I'll open up the so app and then I, the beer maker yeah, team. yeah, there's <laughs> Brett's voice. Guy. And I'm Screw like, that guy. I'm in the middle of recording and trying to show the app and your thing starts and I'm trying to stop, stop it real quick and then redo that part over. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, no, it's nice noted. that yeah, <laughs> that's just for only people maybe creating content. But if you, um, you know, all the instructions are laid out so nice, but I mean, I think after brewing two beers, I don't even need the app anymore, you know, cause you're so used to the steps and what you're doing and you know, okay, I'm adding the squeeze bar back in and I'm going to do this and that. And, and it's so simple that I don't even need it. But then sometimes I think the last, I, I've got the Kolsch on right now. And I, um, I, I pitched the yeast in the hops and pushed the button and I was like, wait, did I skip something? Like it was just over so fast that I had to stop and think back, like, wait a second, did I follow every step Did I do everything right? And you know, it did, but like, still it just, it goes so quickly and it's so simple that, um, I was worried that I, I, you know, missed a step. Yeah. Once you're, once you're two or three beers in, it takes, it takes two or three minutes. It's so fast. Oh yeah. yeah. You better yeah, not screw up the Kolsch. You know how I feel about Kolsch's. <laughs> yeah. From a design perspective, um, you know, we, we, we also came to that, that thought process pretty early on in that, um, you know, all of the control and the robustness and the interaction, it just meant that we had to have an app. 
I mean, we, there's so much that you can do when it comes to education, video content, um, you know, suggesting articles like, so you want to make this stout with coffee, check out this article and yeah. it will you know, show you here. Here's how you do a coffee stout. You know, it's like we, there's no way we could have done that on a machine interface. And, you know, you, you have your phone on you at all times. And what's so important about the machine is when it's time to do stuff like pitch yeast, like you, you've, you've got to have that notification. So our, Oh, is that, is that the chubby? Yeah. This is the chubby with uh, a couple additions. Ah, cheers. Cheers. To the chubby. <laughs> I was um, trying to show it to the camera maybe a little bit so people could get a good, uh, is, is that a chubby there? Yeah. Yep. yep. Chubby right here. Yeah, your head's uh, a freshly poured, might still sticking around. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, that was one of those things where it's like all of these machines that we have experimented with, like even like we even bought a couple of Picos to play with the Pico brews. And they've got those little dials on there. And the experience of starting a brew using a two inch by four inch screen, we're using a little twist dial. It's like, I would rather have a five or six inch touch screen where I could, you know, reference other things and quickly scroll through it's like yeah that's our phone <laughs> exactly <And Yep>. like, <laughs> so why why do we need to overly complicate this device when we can have all of that rich interaction on the device we're already using and um so that that really became it so it became a wi-fi brewer and um yeah and then we have a little button that breathes at you or I mean, what's cool do. about the app too is like you know, we're going to make some little updates and little changes to the machine over the next call it, six months or whatever. But the app of today is not going to be recognizable in six, eight months. We're going to, there's so much room for improvement. There's so much additional information. There's so much, uh, you know, like a more rich experience we can give you. So that's where we can really, really start to make the product and the experience so much better. Um, where as long as the machine's doing its job and making beer, you know, we won't have to change too much. But But the app is where we can give you a lot more. Yeah, the app is already nice, but that's really cool. And the other thing that that I like is that little button with the light because, you know, I definitely woke up one morning and didn't notice the notification. And I walk through the kitchen and I see the light blinking, and I'm like, oh, it's it's time to remove the squeeze bar or something, you know. And then and then it's like, oh, you know, so that that I thought was really cool, and I was really excited about like, you know, it's not just the notification on your phone; the light kind of reminds you too. And you know, sometimes your notification bar can get pretty full. Yeah, it's yeah. one one foot in the real world. Yeah, little, you know, <laughs> yep. just, just just reminds you it exists. It's alive. There, there's been a couple questions in the in the chat about your different kits. Uh, two questions: How many different kits do you have available right now? And do you have any new kits on the way out? I think I saw two different uh, Belgian requests. So for yeah, the Belgian I quad, I just, I just did the math. We've we've got eleven active kits right now. Okay. We've got two that are like ready to rock and roll, Aaron. Yeah, just about. Um, um, and I mean, so there's a couple ways to go about this, right? Like we could we could take the approach of giving you a, a, a zillion different kits, full choice, full whatever. But we think that that's a little overwhelming to some folks. And so we're trying to curate, trying to keep it tight, but also trying to keep it fresh. So we will absolutely be launching more kits. Aaron can talk about more what we got, especially the Belgium, because we got a lot of folks asking for that. Yeah, lots of Belgians. We've got a lot of Belgians brewing. We've brewed a lot of Belgians. Um and I can tell you, in our in our very short term, we're looking at a Belgian wit, um, a dark strong, and a triple. Um, <clears throat> those are those are the three closest. Um, so far as German beers go, we're looking at a Marzen and a Dunkelweizen. Oh, and, um, 
and then we're doing um, and working on some sour as well. Um, so that's going to be oh yeah, Jim, yeah. So it check pills as well. So that <laughs> expect the pills. So the pills is going to be a summer beer. We're looking at a pills and a Mexican lager um, to launch early summer. Um, we'll have more of the German and Belgians launching throughout the spring. Um, and then, so we'll have the pills plus the, um, yeah, plus the, the pills, the lager, the sour, um, the early summer beers. And, um, we're also, we've got an Imperial IPA in the works. Um, that the other, yeah. The, the other total unknown here is that we're also starting to talk to, you know, like local breweries here, some of our favorite breweries. Um, any listeners who have breweries, friends of breweries, um, we, we want to do a lot of kind of co-branded brewery developed kits as well. So it's not all completely oh, on us. That's an um, incredible thought. Yeah. That's what yeah. I, I was. Just so, yes. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's just like they probably know more about beer than us. We know about more about this machine and we want to let them play with it, make some crazy recipes, do some limited launches, you know, just get their name out to regions they wouldn't necessarily be distributed in make a little cash like it'd just be a really fun way to get awesome fun beers from maine down in san diego or vice you know awesome that that was kind of where i was going to lead into you know do you make a uh uh bell's two-hearted clone almost and brand it with them is that the kind of thing you're uh, you're talking about maybe not oh, them yeah. specifically i mean well yeah if, if they come knocking sure we'll talk yeah. to them they're all right they're, they're little um, guys <laughs> but, but, but i think what's really cool too is like your local brewery that only distributes in your city state whatever it be or you know like those are the ones that we really want to jump in with because they'll work a little bit harder they'll they'll put a little more effort to it because the benefit for them to sell their beer out of state out of area you know like it's a lot more and and it just it's a fun way what we want to do then too is send our team over team me and another guy uh send our so like make a bunch of awesome content like and really introduce all of our brewers to their brewery so it's not just like hey you know Ithaca beer company made a thing and you sell in san diego it's like no no we want to we want to bring you into the brewery we want to show you the brewers introduce you to the brewers put a lot of awesome stuff together so you know every time a kit comes out we can dedicate a lot of really cool informational just awesome content about breweries all over the country and the world. I don't know if you guys are following or not, but there's a whole like tech conversation going on in our chat (laughs) that I'm not following. It's kind of fun, but I'm glad that they're, they're doing their thing. Andrew and Scott, do your thing there guys. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. So see me asked about a gluten free. Um, I've been working with one of our, one of our brewers, um, this guy, Nate Spector, um, he's, he's been, he's, he's celiac and has been brewing, um, quite a bit, um, you know, with rice, with, um, buckwheat, um, he's been brewed some seltzers. Um, you know, admittedly, I haven't done much of any of these experimental experiments with, with alternate grains and he has, um, so he, he got a bunch of stuff and we've been working together to make these things work. The first three or four were just terrible. It didn't work mm. well. The gelatinization temperatures are all different. So we started just making adjustments after adjustments and then yeah. finally got to some pretty good results. And um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what we can do with this. Um, and it's ultimately going to come down to us just, you know, within the DIY section until we 
produce a gluten-free kit to just say like, yeah, here's our, I'm doing a gluten-free, here are my grains. Um, and then we can, you can just go with it and it'll just be a different program that the machine runs. And, you know, you know, we're still early, you know, the app is the, this is this, the app that we're making is still the app that we began developing like a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Like when it was just like five of us sitting in a, you know, freaking brewing lab trying to see what people would like and you know the things out in the world we have so much incredible feedback from people that we're we're working as fast as we can to fold it in and um you know i saw a question about the diy section and that that is um that's so high on the list of being able to you know build in the entire realm of brewing ingredients and um, options both on the hot side and the cold side um that's yeah it's 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 a big undertaking but it's where it's where we're going a little bit so um one of the really cool questions that i got out of the beer maker group uh that i thought was really cool was um you know everything's talking to servers and i think that's really cool that like if you if your unit comes unplugged or you have a power outage and it turns back on it reconnects right to where it was. You know, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. You can move it to a different network, uh, what have you. But you're obviously collecting some data. Um, is, does that get used? Well, f- the first part of the question is, does that get used to um, to help you figure things out or, or you know, work on recipes and, and future ideas? And also, do you have any idea what the number of beers that have been brewed in Beer Maker so far is? Yes. So I did look that up before going on. Um, we, so beer maker brewers over the past three months, I've brewed around a hundred barrels of beer, which is quite a lot of beer. Yeah. Around 3000 gallons or so. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. And that's we, awesome. We, yeah. And it's, it's still a pretty small group too. Um, but what's really interesting about it is the average beer maker, um, has seen about three, three or so batches get made on it, mm-hmm. and which, you know, for a couple months, it's a batch a month. That's kind of nice. And if you're just getting your toes wet, I mean, that's it's a it's a good like you know you got three kits with your um, with your beer maker. You know, you make one, you drink one. You know, life gets in the way. You know, a couple weeks later, you make another one. But there are also some people who have brewed dozens. You know, they could have multiple machines um, and, you know, there, there are quite a few, um, quite a few uh, batches that are, are, are getting made. Um, so far as other data goes, um, we don't have a ton of visibility into like what ingredients people are using. It's just what they, what they share with us. And sure. that's something, you know, w- that would be really cool to see. It's like how many people use Rice Krispies? I, I don't know. <laughs> it would just be a fun stat. Um, that's an, yeah, that's an interesting, uh, app add in potentially just, yeah, just a place to put in like, Hey, what did I add? And I don't know if there's like a well, way we, that, yeah, if, we, we want to build in to say like, you're about to make a stout. Like, do you want to add chocolate or coffee or whatever? So we can send you that notification when it's time to add cocoa nibs or whatever it is. Yeah. We want to, we want to give you those tools to customize. And, and then if we can get the information, the more we learn, the better those beers are going to be coming out the other end. When I did the chubby, I, you know, there's not a dry hop step. So I just kind of made one and uh and you know put the squeeze bar back in and then i i added i think i added four ounces of bourbon that that had been soaking in oak chips and then there was like a couple drops of vanilla extract in there too and i just let that sit for like you know uh 
I don't know, three, four, five days maybe in the fridge uh, before I added it to um, to that step, hoping that the bourbon was going to be, um, you know, able to uh, be, be, you know, to to not add in any extra bacteria and things like that. And it, it's, I don't know, I love this beer. I wish there was more bourbon. I don't know how to get that in more next time. A lot of oak comes through, which I think is really cool, and it gives it such a great mouthfeel to have that like oakiness come through but also the beer itself has a good mouthfeel but i feel like the oak has calmed down the first time we had it i felt like all i all i tasted was oak yeah it tastes like i feel like the first day yeah i feel like it's more rounded (laughs) out now yeah it has yeah what's super cool about that is if you were to take oak cubes do the same soak in them and then put them in the bag before you start your brew yeah and then brew with them in the bag and then they stay in the bag throughout the entire serving of it and what that does is it allows the oak to continue pull, you know, the beer to continue pulling those flavors out of the oak. And because beer maker doesn't get up to boiling temperatures, you're not pulling excess tannin out of that oak. So you can do things like that and um, keep it in the bag. And the brewing process sanitizes the oak. Already. Yeah. So waste bag, you think? Uh, in the brew bag. Okay. So then when you transfer it out to your beer tap, it stays with it and keeps, uh, keeps oaking. So I made a post about this yesterday, and I actually spelled waste wrong, and I got some shit for it. As you should. It was pretty funny. As you should have. I saw that. I didn't. Yeah. So I, I so just, you, can't, you can't stop touching it I cannot stop touch, touching the waste Every bag. time I open my door, I, I squeeze the bubbles out. Yes. I do yeah, that I every time, that, and I'm like, I'm proud. I don't know if that helps, but God damn it, is it satisfying? Yeah, <laughs> it is. And that's exactly what I do and how I feel every time. And I'm like, am I the only one? Does anybody else open this thing and just have the urge to push those bubbles out? And you every see day, stuff. And I, I, yeah. Flick it, I flick it. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. It works, yeah I, I go the to the to the shoulders. The I call it the shoulders right oh. underneath the tub. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I, I massage them a little bit to see if I can get anything to you know to settle from there. And man, it's it's a whole it's a whole touching thing. <laughs> it's a whole well, touching yeah, thing. Yeah, you never, yeah, never had such okay, a fermentation before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the way he looked at me when he said it that yeah. kind of worried me. I don't know what happened. There. I was like, as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, this is going to oh, sound weird. Perfect. And did I just do that? Here we go. What do you guys have in store for the future of this thing? What's your next steps? Is it, I know you talked a lot about the app. Is there any hardware additions? Hardware changes? What's coming up in the in the short-term future for you guys? Yeah, did I see a, a a, a filter for the brew tub yes so that is what is what we're waiting on to release our imperial ipa because there are so many hops in that beer um that we've got to have a filter for the top so you know john like you're saying at the beginning of the show where your redwood had some sediment in the in the beginning and a lot of that is because those hops that are up in your brew tub during the dry hop make it down they collect they they you essentially become these little yeast magnets in your bag. And sometimes it's hard to get them out of there. So they form extra sediment. Um, The more hops you put in there, the more of that happens. So we've been experimenting with these filters for the brew tub and the beers are coming out incredible. Um, You know, you can put in, you know, ounces of hops into the top. No blockages or anything. I just worried about a blockage. No, no, that's that's, that's awesome. the great thing about the filter is that you have so much surface area up there that when it pulls it down, it'll get there eventually yeah. um, over the course of hours in particular because you've got this this um, essentially a vacuum that forms. Yeah, um, right. And as the CO2 releases, it will then 
fill that void and then push the beer down and get add pressure to push back down in that is, you got it yeah it's so cool it's just amazing that all of this science is happening in this little box on the counter you know what i mean like yeah, it's our really engineers, our engineers are really smart like no joke they're nuclear scientists and friggin' rocket scientists like these guys are <laughs> no no and like and that's yeah. not a joke they're moonlighting for nasa and working for you know yeah like <laughs> these these guys are legit yeah that's awesome it, it's so wild to think like it's really easy to say like you can just it's really easy follow the instructions on the app dump in your ingredients you know it, it takes five minutes per step and a week later you have fantastic beer that you made yourself and didn't have to go out and buy and we're talking 15 dollars for what are we getting a little more than a gallon of beer about a 12 pack yeah it's a 12 pack of beer for 15 bucks and these days you you can't get a four pack of good beer for 20 22 dollars you know what i mean that's the going rate for a good beer and 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 then you have a lot more pride in it you know obviously but yeah i mean i don't know for me i almost see an roi there you know what i mean it's like oh, yeah. get the machine you and, and like you've paid yourself back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you really crunch the numbers, you're drinking 360 beers to pay for this machine. But you know what? <laughs> you do what challenge, you got to do. Challenge accepted. I'm going to do it anyway. Do I want to pay $20 a four pack or, you know, 12 or $15 for, for a 12 pack? But yeah. some, just to rattle off some of the other things we're working on. There's been a lot of requests and we're diving into the DIY section, trying to give more functionality, more options, more everything. Um, the, we've got a lot of serious homebrewers who want is more and more control, and we're absolutely working on that. We're working on just a pretty much stacked calendar of new maker kits, you know, ones that we developed and then once breweries developed. Um, we want to f- just tighten up every last little bit on the beer tap. Beer tap's been a little finicky, um, but we're, you know, releasing all the fixes to that soon, so that should be pretty much good to go in the next month um what else aaron i mean there's a bunch man you know, it's like yeah. we're a small team so it's like we're working yeah. on one project and then it's like shift to the next project next yeah. project, next project it's constant big piece is the social sharing in the app oh and yeah and bringing that community into the app so you know we've got an incredible community on facebook um we have a a, a good community but less active um these few members on reddit but we have nothing that is like a beer maker community because we still sure. almost half of the people on our kickstarter said that they just didn't they weren't on facebook or had some problems with it so it's yeah. like well we're already missing half the people on there so we want to we want to bring you know we don't want to just like remake a forum and have another place to talk about stuff we want to really bring new experiences to it you know brewing clubs brewing competitions you know mm. building beers and then sharing them with your friends and saying hey I just bought you a beer, man. Try this thing I just brewed. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then you can both brew the same beer. I mean, it's 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 awesome. And then you I mean, can, as far as recipes, you can do community developed recipes. If we have brewing competitions, you can buy the winner's beer. Like this, yeah, there's a lot of fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that's like, really cool. Yeah, so that's where we're going with it. And it's it's just a matter of time before we can pull all of it in and like an app, or it's, we're gonna do it little little at a time. Um, and, um, but you know, we're putting out the biggest fires first, obviously the biggest one is, um, DIY and making sure that people can actually make the beer that they want to make with this thing without having to, you know, like I spent a lot of time just talking with brewers on beer maker who they're like, I want to do kettle sour. 
So yep. it's like, we'll do like a different recipe on it. Like, you know, it goes up to, you know, mashing temps, so bring it down, you add your lacto and then we wait. And so it's, a, you know, it's a program thing. We'll, and the cool thing is I can send these recipes to people's machines, like our whole team can. So we can work with you and doing whatever you want to do on the beer. But none of that stuff has been systematized into the app yet. Sure. So we, we've got a ton of experience doing this and, you know, we're going to be building all of these features into the app just because like we see that this is what people are doing and this is where they want to go with it. It's incredible stuff, guys. I, I don't know. Don't forget about a uh, toast of the week. Okay. You want to do toast of the week? We got to do, do we have a sounder for that. No, Taylor, our producers <laughs> owes us a sounder. Perfect. <laughs> How's that one? So for Aaron okay, and Brett, our toast of the week <laughs> is we pick, something someone to give a toast to it can be a positive toast it can be a negative toast was my last negative toast uh people putting beer in cans that explode was that my last yeah, yeah, negative yep. one? Oh no i just i just you kicked the it stout. there you go kick the stout so i'll start i got a good toast of the week i have spent the last day following the saga of shrimp tails in cinnamon toast mm. crunch have what? you followed this? No, I have. N- I've never heard of it. Okay, this is news to me. This is on Twitter. <laughs> have you Have you guys heard this? Yeah, I heard. Okay. That. And and my actual toast is to Twitter because for this app to be free is the amount of entertainment I get from Twitter is <laughs> is sure. top notch. So this guy found shrimp tails in cinnamon toast crunch. Ugh, yeah. So he Twitter messages them. Yep. And says. Shows them pictures. Yeah. Yo, I found these shrimp tails. And they're like, I think it's just sugar that crystallized and like hardened <laughs> together. So there's this whole thread of him going back and forth. <laughs> a, a Someone that works with marine biology offered to DNA test the shrimp tails <laughs> yeah. to prove that they're shrimp yeah, tails. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll send you one, but I'm not sending you both of them. Cause I'm keeping one of them for yeah, proof. Yeah, for sure. It's this whole saga. Go Jeez. look it up. And then the top, the top of this yeah. is that the guy is Topanga's husband. Remember Topanga <laughs> yes, from yes. Boy Meets World? Boy Meets World, for sure. It's her actual husband in real life. That found the shrimp That tail. found the shrimp tails. Wow. It gets deeper. If I told the you twists. this story wait, 10 wait, wait. years ago. Topanga's yeah. not married to, what's his face? The, yeah, right? Not married to Corey. No, Corey <laughs> is out. Not married to Corey. <laughs> Corey is out. He screwed up. He was not enough of a man for her. <laughs> so, so my toast is to Twitter. Thank yeah. you, Twitter. It's amazing. I, I think about it all the time that. And like all the stuff that we get for free that we probably don't even realize, like so much content, so much content, but like, I don't know, just GPS and like, you know, Google, Google maps and like all these things you just get for free. I mean, not really. They always say, if you're not paying for it, you're the customer That's true. or, or you're, you're the product is what they say. Right. But can you imagine if Google maps came out and was like, yo, you got to pay five cents every time you look something up. Yeah, nobody would use it. We'd revolt. Yes. <laughs> We'd true. revolt. Very Meanwhile, true. 10 years ago, we were paying 200 bucks for a GPS yeah. that sat <laughs> in our car. Right? MapQuest. Yeah. Right? MapQuest directions. Oh, we were just talking about that. We were that. just talking about that, printing those bad boys I'd out. I'd print out the directions, oh, yeah. and then I was, I was so dumb that I would reset my trip calculator 
you know, my trip counter on my car or my odometer every time that I, I took a turn. <laughs> you so, turn left. Yeah, right. <laughs> turn left, and then you get to do this road for 0.5 miles. I'd reset it and watch it and be like, okay, so it's got to be coming up. Here's the turn. Reset. But I, mean, yeah, I grew that, up in L.A., and we had the Thomas guide, and it's like two and a half inches thick. Yeah. And stored in your, you know, it took shotgun all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, my toast of the week has got to go to Taylor and the NBN Network. Because Big things. Taylor has been working his butt off, not only for these podcasts, but he's got a brand new YouTube show yesterday in five minutes where he just recaps the news and trending things and whatever's really on his mind. But the, the he's gotten so good at recording and editing and putting up clips and videos and pictures. It's incredibly entertaining. It's really easy to just consume it when you're like sitting down at your desk at the beginning of the day. Or before, like while you're having your coffee in the morning, and just kind of recap things. But he's just absolutely killing it online, and and you guys for sure because the the last what has it been? If I've gotten five beers going, it's got to be like five, five weeks. six weeks, yeah, you know, or so that I've had the beer maker, and it has just completely. It, it, it's so easy, but it's become such a big part of my life, I feel like, where like I just always have something cool brewing and, and going on and, and something fun happening and something I'm excited to share with like my wife and like a buddy, like, hey, come over, like I'll fill a growler for you or something. You got to try this, you know, a little 16 ounce, man. It's just so much fun and amazing. But um, yeah, so, so toast to you guys and toast to my brother, even though he's not here helping us out. He's just absolutely killing it everywhere. But uh, toast to him. You guys have anything, anything on your mind that you want to give a a toast to? I mean, toast to the uh, stim checks that came out last week. So we're glad (laughs) glad to hear that Americans, uh, you know, their heads are in the right place when they much needed money comes out. And to the uh, (laughs) Facebook, the Facebook owners group, man, we lovingly call them the bog, the the beer maker owners group. And those dudes have, those dudes are champions, man. They, they, they help us with our own product. We take all their feedback. We watch. We try not to participate. We try to keep our hands out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those guys are those guys are the best, and they've been yeah they've been helping out a ton. Great, great yeah. community. Um, I always say that beer people are the best people. You know, the beer community, the brewers. You know, nobody's nobody's competing. Everybody's hey, we're all in this together. You ran out of cans. I've got cans. You know, for your next canning run, I've got material. Whatever you need. Um, I always say a rising ship. Get stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> never said I've never said that before. No, this is the first. This is the first time I've ever said that. But yeah, thank, thank um, God our products get delivered on the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 freaking group, uh, see me. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. That guy. That. Um, you know, he's always. I think it's a guy. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't. I don't know what gender that name is. It can be whatever it wants, but and it's a picture of a beer, so you can't. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that person wow. is fantastic. I saw Tom from job. MySpace is in there too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's old school. <laughs> He's everybody's friend. That's awesome. All right, we ready to wrap this thing up? Wrap it up, yo! All right. First off, Aaron, Brett, thank you guys so much for everything, for hanging out with us, participating. Thanks for having us. It yeah. was an absolute blast. What are you pointing at? Beermaker.com. Is that the best spot? Instagram? Yeah, Where's your best spot? Brett, yeah. you were nice enough, um, you know, when the show was coming out, that you were going to give us a promo code. So anybody that's watching that follows us, use Might Be Brews as a promo code. You get $60 off if you get a uh, a new beer maker kit. Is that right? 
That's right. No, That's right. beer maker. Yeah, the beer maker beer tap. Yep. Do I, say, I? I swear, I keep saying brew maker. I think I've said that like probably five times. I don't think beer maker. No. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I keep I keep tripping up. But anyway, everybody else, um, everybody in the comments, the comments have been fantastic. I'm seeing a lot of new names in there this time. You guys have been great. Thank you, everybody, for participating, for watching. Uh, everything you guys have been amazing uh check out mbnnetwork.com make sure you're following us on social media i'm going to continue to do more beers posting pictures and videos about the brew days and, and all that good stuff but make sure you go to beermaker.com look them up uh use promo code might be brews for 60 dollars off and you guys have a fantastic weekend see you next time cheers thanks guys